Welcome back to the Unilink Podcast. I'm Paul Seda. I'm joined once again by Matt Boyd, Caitlin Noriema, Kaz Hassan, and we have an extremely special guest, a man who needs no introduction, but I'll introduce him anyway, uh, Glenn Chambers, uh, the leader of the North American sales team. Welcome, Glenn. Thank you again for, for joining us. Happy to be here. Happy it's an honor. Here. I've seen the uh, previous podcasts. I was waiting for my invite. That's a lie, folks. We've been inviting him nonstop, and he's been resisting. Um, but he is the hardest working man in intranets. Um, <laughs> that's what we call him. No one works harder than Glenn. I, Caitlin and I can attest to that because we work with Glenn uh, regularly. I, I don't work hard. I work smart. <laughs> yeah, he that's exactly smart. right. I reference that in the productivity uh, podcast, I think, specifically about Glenn working smart. <laughs> It was so hard to get Glenn though, because he had some emergency personal surgery he had to do, and he put it off just for us. Just for us, and we're grateful for that, Glenn. Yeah, I was in a lot of pain. I have a, a wisdom teeth, tooth that isn't very wise impacting, and uh, yeah, it's coming out next week, so I've got oral surgery and lots of soup and soft foods in my future. You poor, poor man. I'm so sorry for you. Had to get in there while he still had some of that wisdom left to share, I think. I was uh, waiting for somebody yeah, to get in there. I was like, there's there a joke somewhere and I'm going to get yeah. in with it. Somebody had to do it. Thank you. Oh, boy. The can, the can jokes. The can jokes. Um, anyway, thanks. Thanks again for joining us. We're really happy to have you here. Uh, I did want to check in uh, with everyone. In particular, what's going on with your fan clubs? I saw, Matt, you registered um a, a company in the uk for the matt boyd fan club what's going on with that <laughs> yeah i mean membership is skyrocketing thanks to the podcast i'm clearly a massive superstar now sharing all these tips and tricks about the digital workplace it's uh it's been crazy man i think you know they're probably going to invite me to attend the next in-person oscars I'll think about it. Oh dear. Oh dear. <laughs> See, you went off the rails there. You, just, you know, you had a couple of good good jokes and you just kept going. But uh, everyone else, Caitlin, how was your week? It was good. It was busy, which is always good when you're on the sales team. Um, yeah, we have some good weather going, taking my productivity walks that we talked about, getting in good head spaces. So, yeah. That's awesome. And you are busy. I can attest to that. Um, you know. You had a killer week in it, and it was awesome to watch you kind of handle it. How about you, Kaz? Yeah, it was above average compared to last week, so I'm happy. Had a productive week, busy week. Uh, yeah, just batting off all my hate mail compared to Matt. But uh, yeah, good. <laughs> it's been good. <laughs> yeah. So someone's phone just got set off. Uh, I'm not going to accuse anyone, but I think it was Matt. <laughs> I'm not going to use um, anyone, but here's a name. <laughs> here's a name. Um, I did want to announce, though, that we are officially on Spotify, and I think any podcast app that can index the Apple um, podcast as well. So if you don't have time to watch us on YouTube, you just want to listen to the audio in the background, you can do so now. Um, get out there, su subscribe to it, um, so you know when the newest one is, is released, and, and you can catch it in whatever format makes the most sense for you. So we're really, really pleased about that because we think it's going to make some things easier for um, uh, for folks to listen in on what's going on. And the fact checkers can tell us uh, now, we can say we have a podcast and not a blog. 
That's right. No, this, this was. People. Yeah, Vlog V Podcast was the uh, controversy uh, du jour here at Unily. Um, and there were some real uh, people who were passionate for each side but um finally we can say we can appease all of you so, so, so someone down. was calling it a vlog cast which i'm not sure is a, a vlog cast but... i think that was me <laughs> like, fine it's a vlog cast fine <laughs> are you Split making hairs. up words again caitlin is that is that what we're doing vlog cast or do other people use that tm ca- vlog cast tm caitlin, caitlin only. Yeah. let's hop in um we're gonna be talking today about today about engage employees through change. We've been kicking around topics, ideas. We know that some of them have been very broad in scope. So we're going to narrow it in, right? We're going to bring it in together um, to a little bit more of a micro level so we can be much more focused. We'll keep it very casual as always, but we want to talk about, you know, what are the specific things that happen in terms of employee engagement through periods of change, okay? And when we talk change, we're talking positive and potentially negative change, although all negative change presents opportunities for positivity. That's that's my philosophy. Um, but we thought Glenn was perfect because Glenn has been in this space. It's got to be 15 years, maybe more, Glenn. Uh, you were with this company before we were a software firm. Is, is that right? Yeah, I think I got into the business young because I'm not old. But um, <laughs> yes, I've... Um, been in the company 11 years. Yep. So we were consulting pre-Unily at that point. Yeah. And what were some of the things, what were some of the things that in your recollection, right? Because we know maybe you have issues with memory, uh, like I do. <laughs> um, what were some of the things that kind of spurred people to come to you and say, hey, we need your help? Whether as a consulting firm or, um, you know, as a software company when we became Unily. Well, I mean, the obvious one is change. So companies that are always divesting, acquiring, merging. Um, I also think sometimes uh, back thinking back to the consulting days, it wasn't SaaS. So products definitely and solutions definitely had a lifespan. You basically yeah. bought it and you had it forever until it died. So either the servers, you know, expired um, no updates or the, the product just became too old or, or just not useful. So, you know, there was always a three-year cycle of, of new new work. That's a really valid point. And I actually want to circle back on that because we're at the point now where people are looking for that evergreen kind of model where they don't have to every, you know, five years like clockwork um, rebuild from the ground up, which is a, a, a bygone, uh, you know, kind of, product of the old days of the way things were done although we do see coming through the door a lot of people who are coming to us because their licenses and their hardware are are reaching end of life so that is another one um you know caitlin actually i wanted to ask you what are some of the things the themes you've heard in sales um with regards to change with customers who are coming our way we still see it it's a little bit um industry specific but we still see some people who are just moving into the cloud. And I think actually in the past year, we've seen that urgently happening. Um, So it's a question, there's different technologies that are pushing them to move even faster. Like, you know what, we're just going to use this new need as an accelerator for um, for moving from on-prem to the cloud. Um, And then there's always might be a use case for for keeping some things on-prem. But um, 
Yeah, that's a trend that I've seen coming up a lot relative to like key technologies that um, some of the names, and I don't know if we want to name names, but I, some of the names in the space that have just like skyrocketed in terms of all of our enterprise prospects and customers using it. There's like three or four um, software companies that like everybody is using all of a yeah. sudden because of needs for things like really, um, really powerful like HRAS platforms, um, how you manage your people data, um, and like ease of use with stuff like that. Uh, collaboration technology, obviously, <laughs> um, the ability to to virtually collaborate. Um, and yeah, it's just we're hearing the same names come up over and over again. So it's pretty amazing to have seen that over the past even like five years that I've been at Unally, how some of the more smaller companies and applications have just boomed, been acquired and yeah. more high high adoption. Yeah. And I mean, that was actually how we came up with this topic, right? Because we were talking about the challenges of our own change here at Unally. Positive change, growth, right? But challenging nonetheless. Um it, it's it's proven to be a very interesting experience for a lot of us because we have to do things at a rate that I don't think we anticipated when maybe we first joined the company. And again, this is the result of, of positive things. I mean, Matt, you've been here at Unilee for a number of years. What what has the change been like here in, in your mind? Yeah, I mean, um, <clears throat> as with uh organizations that are growing rapidly i guess growing pains would be um you know uh something that we've definitely experienced um but on the whole i would say it's been overwhelmingly positive because you know what we've actually seen is an increased need for the services and the software that we provide and to to know that you're actually having a really positive impact on so many different organizations that you work with is, uh, you know, really empowering it, you know, makes it redoubles your belief in the mission. Um, you know, it makes you feel engaged. It makes you feel really positive about the work you're doing. So, um, you know, that change, that growth, um, especially has really increased Unilee's reach, increased our ability to help organizations around the world. So massively positive. The flip side of that is that as with, you know, uh, as with any rapid growth, you quickly realize that you need to put into place new structures, new support mechanisms, you know, um, to, to sustain that growth and crucially to support the people that are responsible for driving a lot of it, you know, um, you can't just say, cool, we'll just double our headcount overnight and then mm. there's no one to lead yeah. the teams. And, you know, I think there's all of those kind of challenges that come with the positives of growth. And um, that's been interesting. It's it for us, I think, though, the really cool thing is it's netted out in loads of new opportunities for yeah. lots of, you know, lots of people internally have, um, and I can speak to this from my own personal career experience, have been able to move quite fluidly between different roles until they found their found their niche, found their their highest value like position within the business. Yes. Yeah. Mm. I mean Kaz Kaz is a person who has in fact switched roles because um we've had this massive amount of change. What what's your thoughts on the change, um, Kaz? Because you you're you're you've been at Unilee now how long? I'm almost two years. 
almost two years. Shorter, but yeah, it's it's crazy. (laughs) It's gone fast, right? Mm -hmm. And you transitioned roles. That's a relatively quick transition, um, two years, because now you're in a in a really different role. I mean, what has it been like watching that change in the two years? Because it must have been lightning fast for you. Yeah, so I, I came in in on the consulting team, working with people like Alex, helping customers on board and. And that for me was my bread and butter. Like that was something I was comfortable in. I kind of came in, found my feet quite comfortably. Um, but like I came in at a time of investment in the company and you see a lot of change happening around you. As Matt said, you find people finding their feet, um, finding the right roles for them. And when this kind of opportunity came up, it, it was uh, not something that I was particularly um, particularly well, well versed in, but what's great is that like it provides you with a platform to explore a little bit in the sense that okay like I'm in I'm in an environment I feel comfortable um I'm with a company I like I'm working with people I like and hell why the hell not um try something new and I think that's what I like about this kind of positive period of change is that it provides people with a little bit of comfort where it gives them space to grow um learn new skills and ultimately, like the skills you get as well in these sort of positive periods of change are, um, I think, quite unique. It, it gives you a level of comfort and you get to experience things that you might perhaps not in in the kind of average, uh, in the average company you work for. So it, it's positively impacted me. And when I originally transitioned over, it was something I was like, hmm, let's see how this goes. Let's see if it works out. But now I've like really got my feet under the table and working with people like Matt, I feel super comfortable. Um, and yeah, I can't see any way back now. <laughs> yeah, Matt has Matt, thoughts Matt looks like he's about to say something. Matt has thoughts so, on this. Like, he's going to say he's, he's no, terrible. That's not how it went. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, I was actually going to say the really interesting point that you drew out there, Kaz, is that not only was the company, the company was growing, um, but the opportunity it then gave to each of the individuals was, you know, like uh, we're very in sync with the flow of the organization the company was growing and it allowed for a great deal of personal growth and personal development at the same time, you know, talking about your transition, um, you know, you learned a whole new, you know, set of skills you were naturally suited to, but you still had to learn a whole new set of processes, completely changed your role. Right. So I thought that was really, really interesting. I'd never thought about it that way until you said it, but like, it's really interesting how we reflect the change in our organization. You know, the company's growing, so we're all growing. Yeah. yeah, I think I think you're. Oh, you got a special guest. No, right? go, Glenn. Uh, go, Glenn. I want to hear your your thoughts because you've been here longer than any of us. Well, I've got a couple of things. One, I was just thinking about what you were saying, and I think you're you're both examples of where you're really investing in the person and not the role. Because there's always a place in a, in a company for a for someone who's got you know the right stuff, right? Even if you you know, the, I'm thinking about Unilever. We used to be called Brightstar. We were. Um, time and materials consulting company. And then we found a better way through a product and we had to switch the entire company to SaaS. Um, no more time and materials projects. That was a huge change. And I think that everybody, the whole company mission, everybody's jobs, you know, went from uh, a, a wholesale change. And it was really interesting to get through that. But the, the amount of people, the core leadership team and the core people that were there in different roles are still here now. Yeah, um, they right. just had to go through that transition. So it's about, yeah, there's a lot, but the other thing I was pulling out was, um, 
we're talking about the good side of change, right? Because we're in a company that's growing. We're in a company that um, is in an in industry that's like really valued right now. But when I think about our customers, I, I, I mean, I've been through it, but if we went through a merger, right? It's uncertainty, I think, like yeah. in that period of not, and, and how technology can help with that is probably a topic we're going to get onto around, you know, communication and um, letting people know that, that things are going to be okay. And because people resist change and they're scared of it. Yeah. This just in, we've been joined by <laughs> uh, a member of the Unily family, Michael Pike. He's on an island somewhere. We don't know where. Mike Pike, where are you? <laughs> yes, so as you can see, I'm in Aruba. I'm on the beach, working remotely from here. Unbelievable. This is uh, insane. Yeah, that's not fair. Oh, I that's didn't know fair. this was even a thing. This How engaged, yeah, right? How engaged would you say you are <laughs> right now, Mike, given- I am, especially on a Friday, pretty engaged. <laughs> you seem very engaged. <laughs> You seem very, well, listen. The only problem is the, the computer does overheat sometimes, so I don't like to work from the beach. Because it's so warm. Hence why, that. <laughs> and that's why you retreated under a luxurious tree to, oh, yeah, to make sure your computer cactus. was safe. <laughs> oh my God. All right, that's obnoxious, but uh, <laughs> that's awesome. Thank you so much. You look wonderful. We're all extremely jealous. Truly living um, the work from anywhere lifestyle. Yeah, I know. That's the. It is amazing. Thing. It really is amazing. And don't talk to any of us ever again. again. <laughs> you, look, you look fantastic. We're jealous. Enough. Enough. Enjoy. Enjoy, enjoy your, your weekend, weekend Mike. Thanks, Thanks for popping in. Amazing. Bye. Bye. Bye, mate. Cheers, I buddy. mean, that's that Aruban, that Arubian, or how I'm not sure <laughs> the correct word. That connection's not bad. It's yeah, that's rest. a pretty good beach connection. Yeah. He's got some coconuts uh, <laughs> shrung up uh, with some wire. With some wire. Uh, have you guys ever seen Gilligan's Island? <laughs> yeah, that's what I feel no, like Mike has going on. Well, I, you know, I don't know who watches Gilligan's Island, um, but remember that radio that was built from coconuts that just worked. That's yeah. what Mike has going on. But anyway, you know, Glenn brought up a really good point about we've been talking about the positive, uh, the positives of change, but there's some negatives too. What's interesting though is I think we agree that it probably a lot of the same strategies are are useful. Um, and we talked about it again. We're undergoing change here too, and we're doing a lot of the things from our customers' playbooks, right? So um, I wonder if Matt, if there isn't a customer who has maybe a scenario that you thought was really useful for for dealing with change, um, you know, by using the technology, the tool set that that they have. Anything come to mind? Yeah, absolutely. And it's funny because you mentioned at the start of that question as well that you know we've talked a lot about positive change or not even a lot i guess we've just talked briefly about positive change but there is obviously the negative side of change of work as well and there is some overlap in both in the way you address change whether good or bad and i think uh you know a massive part of dealing with change effectively uh within the organization is about being transparent uh, and being and communicating effectively about the change that's happening. So when you ask me whether you know I've seen client examples where they've managed change um, effectively, um, my head instantly goes to, oh, like X, Y, and Z customers, you know, who 
uh, implemented change programs and it the cornerstone of it was a communications program um you know delivering transparent messages that explain the change position it and um, because i think you know and glenn mentioned that people are afraid of change um and you know i i agree but i think a lot of the fear is also predicated on the unknown and if there's change coming but you have no idea what it is it's not been framed for you you don't know what the impact of it's going to be in, in in its entirety um then a lot of that that kind of resistance to change um can be tackled through transparent communication which at least give people the information they need to make an informed decision um so transparent communication campaigns you know whether that be uh, intranet like communication campaigns whether it's using um you know emails however you have to reach those people to communicate effectively that for me i would say is, is one of the biggest takeaways and i could list a dozen or more uh, more clients in fact we could probably list all our clients right now because one of the biggest changes is the remove to remote work and we just had mike dial in from from aruba <laughs> just kind of living that experience um but they're all going through that change right now and, and a big part of how they've tackled it is communication. Glenn, you were gonna, you had a thought. It just popped into my head when you were talking, saying this stuff. I just wanted to ask the group, see if everyone's aligned. What is, after you've gone through this period of change, you know, with our own customers and your own projects, I know you've all done a lot. What is the number one project initiative intranet name? <laughs> oh, that's controversial. <laughs> see, Glenn, the hub. okay. The hub. Is that what you mean? Whoa. I was going to go with one. one. Really? Oh, I yeah, think because one, right? The because the project always becomes like, how do we get these two groups together, right? How do we? Oh, you're talking with, about M and A stuff. Deal yeah. with the uh, deal with the change and deal with the uncertainty yeah. and the fear, like transparency. But then it's maybe through a project like an intranet. Yeah, mm. I think I think there's tentpole. Um, kind of maybe temple is the wrong thing but milestone kind of things that um for the project team undergoing this that help um you know mark a, a, a point where they say from here on we have to be in this together naming is a big thing the hub the hub is probably the one i hear the most i think i'm with caitlin glenn likes one kaz what i have, what have, I you have a funny story about the hub where in one of my this was back when i was on the consulting team um in one of my intro calls, uh, we kind of like set up the sort of things you need to think about for the project. And that name is one of those ones because you can, it's one of those things where it's not on, on paper, it's not difficult, but it takes people a long time to agree and people yeah. do surveys and things like this. And in the first intro call to this client and uh, we get on really well now. So if they do watch this, they don't know who I'm speaking about, but I was like, also oh, like one thing you probably want to get the ball rolling on is names. So, um, like, have a think about what you can call it. Just don't call it the hub. And they were like, oh, no. Um, well, actually, that's the one thing we've already decided on. And it's called the hub. <laughs> and it's that. Okay. Oh, no. <laughs> um, Kaz's but, mouth, meet Kaz's foot. Um, <laughs> it, it was, uh, but what, what was funny is that there was clearly a bit of, like, this debate had already happened. So they were able to take it in jest. And we had a bit of a laugh about it. And they still want to change it. But it was it just, that that name came up. And I was like, oh, God, I've got. 
I've got <laughs> I've got bad memories about that. So uh, be careful what you say. We even say that too on our <laughs> side before you know before our onboarding team works with customers too. It's like what can we do to get ready for this change too? And it's like well you start thinking start gauging you know, employee engagement surveys, things like that, defining your personas, think about what your new name is going to be. And when they say like, well, what creative ideas do you have? And we always say that too. Like, well, if, if you're going to do anything, just avoid that one because that's what everybody calls their site. So maybe mm. one will be the other one we say. Just don't don't call it one because that's what everybody does. You guys are <laughs> not being generous. You're not, you know, th- there's, first of all, we have a different perspective because we work on so many of these things. Mm. For a lot of our customers, they may only go through a couple of internet launches in their life. Yes. So I I think if a word at least is, you know, uh, makes it cohesive for people to understand that this is something that it's fine. Matt, did I steal your thunder? You totally. (laughs) Yeah, no, I'm We're on a wavelength today. We're on a wavelength. (laughs) Spot on. I was going to say there is something beautifully simplistic about the hub and one, you know, and for those. Literally, you've said it all already. I'll just be quiet now. <laughs> but well, they're yeah. great names. I'm not knocking the name, to be clear. Like, all respect to our customers. Those are great names. Mm. But that's very true, actually. I didn't think about that. There's my yeah. lesson learned of the day. <laughs> well, <laughs> let's, <gone> early. <laughs> let's go back to something Matt said. Matt said the the during change, the importance or to, something to the effect of transparency is key, right? Transparent mm-hmm. communication. How do you achieve transparent communications what are some tactics you can use and again if if any customer examples come to mind like like share those we don't have to name them but i want to know what people are doing out in the real world i certainly have strong feelings about this but um what have you guys guys seen anyone anyone got a good example caitlin seems to to be straining as she thinks yeah i well i feel like i've been I've been on the sales side and then the delivery side of customers who've gone through mergers and acquisitions. And I think the key to the successful change management, though, and you'd have to talk to the employees to see if they agree with me, but from what I think they did well was getting ahead of external announcements about things Mm. too. Because when you do, when you, as an employee, when other people find out about something before you do, that's when you lose trust in your leadership the belief in the transparent culture you're supposed to have, right? Um, so it's preempting them, noting things as pre- proprietary or, you know, putting people under an embargo or whatever. Um, and then having spaces, you know, dedicated to full resource centers for you to access on demand at any point in time for information mm. you might need. How do you respond to the press if they ask you a question about XYZ? Because with a big company and big transactions and mergers and stuff that that is relevant. So like, how do you respond to this? If somebody asks you, what are you allowed to talk about? Um, how is this going to impact my job and my line management? Um, you, you need to have resources for people for all of those things, because I think when employees feel like um, there's a change that's happened that's directly impacting them, but the direct impact hasn't been considered mm-hmm. by leadership or others, um, that's when people start to become disengaged um or upset by the change and you know what you can speak to this one as an employee because at unily again i i have this thing about unily i say um is that unily reorganizes itself or reinvents itself every six months okay every six months something happens in this company that is big would be huge elsewhere and we somehow manage 
to do it. I mean, I'm four years in at this this point. Glenn's eleven years in. Um, people are are able to do it, and I think that's part of it. Um, I mean, Matt and Kaz have gone through. This. Matt definitely, where we've communicated a big change internally first, right before. Mm. The external. And I think of our releases yep. and sometimes our reorgs. Yep. Um, what's one that, that comes to mind, uh, Matt, recently? Oh, that, well, may, I, that may not have worked out well because that's okay too. Well, I think the one I always think of is the um, awards because we find out we've won the awards. I don't know. My head's always going to positive places. I guess my... I, I'm, You're a super <laughs> positive guy. That's it's, okay. It's, you can go to me so next It's so annoying. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's a, a byproduct of um, belief in the mission and belief in the company, I think. But the thing I, I was thinking of was awards, right? So we find out about awards in advance. And it's really cool because we are actually in like a you know in a position where we're not allowed to say anything obviously and for the company giving out the awards that's very important that we don't say anything but then when we communicate it internally the headline on the big breaking news article on our internet says we've won x award but dot 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 shh it's a secret that's the headline it's like we make a, a light-hearted joke about it and then in there it will say obviously don't mm-hmm. tell anyone about this you'll get us in a lot of trouble <laughs> yeah. but the headline is shh <laughs> and I mean, we have our quarterly updates as as well. And quarterly updates at Unily are, you know, they're town halls like everyone else. But because mm-hmm. we're growing so fast, they're they're big events because we we almost need to look quarter by quarter. How are we doing? How's the growth trajectory going? And what's going on with culture? Cult- Kaz, have you been involved in any of the culture initiatives here uh, at all? I'm curious. I don't know if you have. I was just curious. Um, I mean... I, so there's a culture committee, um, which I don't directly sit on, but we all impact culture, don't we? Well, I was. Well, then the then the question. Well, then the question was, um, what because of 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 the rapid amounts of change, like what are the challenges you've experienced as an employee with the culture? What are some of the the, the things that make you anxious um, about the change and, and how it relates to the culture here? So I. I, I'm in like quite a unique scenario because I came before I joined Unily. I came from quite a corporate organisation, and I joined Unily, which is very uh, like friendly, family, funny, um, and like those are words I would still use to describe the company culture today. So I had this kind of initial transition period where it was like, oh, I've gone from two extremes here, and I know which one I prefer, but it takes me some time to mm-hmm. readjust. Um, and even in the past year and a half or, or whatever it's been, I've seen unity grow where i used to be the new kid on the block and now i'm seeing so many people join yeah. it's like oh now i'm someone that represents the culture you're the steely veteran yeah mm-hmm. you're 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 the guy no i i totally get that because caitlin and i joke that like after six months at unity we felt like you know we've been here a while we've seen some things right like we've been in the trenches <laughs> glenn again you've kind of seen is the culture the same or is the company culture wise very similar to what it was when you joined. Did, I don't I'm think curious. so because I was the first employee in the States. Obviously, yeah. culture was amazing when I was here. <laughs> but, um, one, one man culture. <laughs> um, but it was rapid growth. But it's a bit scrappier when you're, I mean, there's the fun stuff. But when you're a startup, you've got to like make ends meet. You know, I think, I feel like now, what are we now, two, approaching 250 or something people? It's, um, 
I don't know, you can relax a little bit, you know, it's not, uh, we're not making, or certainly not, you know, we're doing fine financially. They're not making, you know, worrying about making ends meet. And I think that gives you that luxury almost to, we've got so many benefits now and so many cool yeah. things. I like all the, um, we've got some great people in this company doing some great things. Uh, I think we've had 50 or 60 people join the company who haven't met anyone, you know, yeah. because of the mm-hmm. remote working of stuff. And that's, that's crazy, but there's a lot of work. Um, I've been invited to something at the end of this month. I'm sure you guys were as well, where we're going to have like mini breakout sessions with random people. And it's like, bring a drink or don't and mm-hmm. kind of meet these people and um, make introductions and try and get that personal connection that you just can't get uh, because we're not, because we're all remote and we're not in person. Yeah. And that's, and that's, I mean, that's, those are steps we're taking internally to deal with that. Again, it's positive change here, but it is not without challenges, right? Um, right. I get people pinging me at times and I'm like, I don't know who you are. I don't know where you sit in the org. Can you just help me reorient myself? And of course, I'm polite, you know, I'm welcoming. I I try to do that. I think everyone here makes an effort to do that. Um, but we we have to stop and, and find time to do that. Um, I keep thinking of Samuel and Son, an organization who um, is doing it a little bit more top down. And again, I think we spoke about this prior, but they do the leadership huddle and they let everyone see that. They let everyone from the outside see that. Now, I don't know if we would ever do that at Unily. What do they do, did you say? They do a leadership huddle where the senior leadership gets together and then they broadcast that to the company. I mean, that's that's the transparency that we talked about before. I mean, it's it's transparency on another level. (laughs) Glenn, could we have that? (laughs) I'm I'm wondering what your concerns... Like, You're saying you don't know if we would do it here. What would... No, I I think I think even employees here might go, oh, that's and again, it isn't a negative. I wonder if employees here would go, ooh, I don't know if I want to see that. Or maybe we're we're voyeurs at at maybe we all are like, boy, I really want to see that. I, I, I don't know. What do you that, think? Uh, I certainly feel like we've seen a rise in um, companies asking for like uh, maybe it's the Reddit thing, like AMA, ask ask me yeah. anything type sessions like you mentioned our quarterly meetings and our town halls and they are awesome you know and we're much better for having them and they're very informative but we kind of have a formal presentation and then there's like which takes maybe 30 minutes and then there's like 45 minutes of questions at the end right versus i guess an ama which is probably a little bit more unstructured and um that sounds interesting you know what actually you bring up a good point because anyone who's joined our quarterly updates it's a free-for-all in the chat like we're all just going at it, saying things, commenting, asking questions, challenging each other in a respectful way. So maybe you're right. Maybe that is something. And and the cool thing about those two is our leadership is on the phone. And while mm-hmm. someone is talking, if someone raises a question, I'll hear our CEO or our chief commercial officer jump in, even though they're not presenting on that slide and just say, hey, just so you know, here it is. So maybe there, maybe you're right. Maybe there is something to that, that we're all already kind of doing that. And that's the point is that every org is kind of doing something similar even if they don't realize it and if they aren't they'd probably benefit from doing something like that i'm gonna bounce off that a a little bit (laughs) um because like we've spoken a lot about transparency and i think that when it comes to communications it's something that's something quite easy to compute when it's like okay well transparency we need to like over communicate make sure people have the right information 
But then there's what's a bit harder to gauge is that kind of like that bottom up piece, which is more about having like a candid culture and having two-way communications so that your employees feel comfortable challenging something, contributing a question, um, and your leadership feel comfortable. Like it's a two-way thing. Your leadership feel comfortable going the other way too. So they feel comfortable being challenged by employees. They'll feel comfortable having open forums with employees. Um, I think Matt's got something to... Uh, bounce off that but. oh yeah uh, you your head went exactly where i was thinking like it's got to be um you know well i guess in a remote world um it, it has to be social like i think that the employee voice um feeding back into the process of change is really really important and uh, when glenn mentioned the ask me anything type forum it made me think of one of our clients who's created a dedicated social feed and um you know take the ceo's name which i'll obviously insert a fake one now so <laughs> ask jean-claude and then there's a feed and van you damme can... yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly you know exactly what <laughs> yeah 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 um so and then anyone can put uh, a question in and then he takes I don't know, X amount of time every Friday to go through questions and just respond to them. And it's a, obviously an open forum internally. Um, but that's a really good way because then no matter how transparent you try to be when you communicate about change, there's inevitably going to be inevitably going to be questions, feedback. People want to exercise their right to have an opinion on that change. And, you know, social tools like that, I think, provide a really constructive way to bring those conversations into the business so that they can be, um, you know, reacted to, responded to in the best possible way, contribute. But is it the tool or is there an organic kind of culture already present, right? Because I think one of the things that happens with organizations is they start to self-select in terms of the people that join the company and stay at the company, right? Because human beings, when they organize themselves into into tribes or, or groups, um, they're kind of looking for a harmony to work with one another. And does the tool enable that or is it something that's already present or is it a combination of the two? I, I mean, I don't know if you had a thought, Caitlin, it looked like you were about to say something. Yeah, no, I, I, think, it's, I think it's a mix of, well, I think it's the commitment from from leadership and the people who are impacting change um, to actually like live that, you know, the, the transparency or like the, cause right. If you have somebody who's responding on behalf of an executive in a social thread, is it really, mm. is it really, are you really living that like culture that you're trying to instill the ask me anything? You're not really asking the executive anything. You're asking the person who's responding in their behalf. Um, but I, I think Culture to me, like I, you can pick up on that very quickly when you join a company too, in the first few meetings or first few interactions with people as you're meeting them in terms of how employees engage with their, with their managers and their leadership team all the way up to the executive level. Like I remember working for a really large company and having those town halls and the, the president at the time, who's now the CEO of that company you know, would visit local offices and like actually take the time to go around and say hello to people. And that made everybody feel like I can actually ask questions in this town hall. I can mm. engage with her um, and be honest. Uh, now, granted, because of the size of the company, some some of the, that stuff had to be vetted beforehand. But um, at a company our size, too, 
the first, I remember the first town hall I joined that was run out of our global headquarters in, in Yixing. And I could see kind of the, the casual vibe, which kind of immediately made me feel I would like, I can ask questions in this about some of the changes happening within the first few months of me joining the company. Um, and I've lived that way here ever since. <laughs> I've so been has, very vocal. So is the culture the same from when you joined, Caitlin, despite all of our change? Would you say it's more or less the same, you know, kind of spirit of, of a company, of the company that you joined? I Yeah, I'd say in spirit, it's the same. I think there's, there's the challenge that you said, which is as you grow – even though we're not growing from 5,000 to 10,000, it's 50 to 200 or 300. Um, the challenge is like knowing every single person's name and what they do when you see them. Like I used to be able to do that. I knew everybody, but now it's like I have to take the time to go to the profile, look at their org structure, look at what they do, where they work. Um, but the culture where wherein people can – we're pretty flat from a communication standpoint. Nobody's off limits or guarded, at least in my experience. Like – so you can you still have those access levels, um, so that like innate culture we always had with that casualness is there. But we're just bigger and we have more processes in place that help people do their jobs better. So that's okay. So I want to hit on something before you say something, Matt, because we I had uh, uh, something happen this week where we've made some shifts in terms of how uh, requests from the sales team get brought to the product marketing team. And this is very different when you're a 50-person company because you can send an email, pick up the phone, shoot a, a message to the guy in product and be like, look, I'm thinking about this. What do you think about that? We cannot do that anymore. It is not possible for everyone in this organization to reach out to the product team and say, I have an idea. Can you run with it? Or, or can I achieve this with the out-of-the-box stuff? So... Are those types of structures a natural outgrowth? Um, I mean, I guess, Kaz, you sit on the product marketing team. Mm -hmm. Do you prefer a little bit more structure with the stuff coming in? Or do you think the the, the freewheeling stuff, the nature of what you joined is, is preferable to a certain extent? Yeah, I, I thought you were going to use that as an opportunity to be like, so are you going to do this product feature now? <laughs> I, wa I was, I was, but I was getting the signal from Caitlin, like, don't do that. Don't do that. Let's not start a fight. Um, uh, yeah. No, go ahead. Because uh, I probably go against that process. <laughs> like, yeah, everything's the same. We could do whatever you want. Um, I, I think, like, as you, um, the, the thing is, right, it, as we grow as a company, um, what's interesting to see from being on the product marketing side versus being on the kind of onboarding consulting side was that being on the onboarding consulting side, I have a very specific view of, you know, I could reel you off the next 10 features that I think should be in the product. Um, and they're all valid features as well. Um, and I think being in my current role, it's helped me to kind of understand the balances and trade-offs you have to make. Right. And it is tricky. Like, it's not an easy thing to do. <laughs> Um, because you've got so many, as you grow inherently, what starts off being five stakeholders, then you've got 10 and then you've got your whole customer community. Um, and we've got so many channels and we like to be open, right? Um, right. We, we spoke about this candy culture. We encourage people to, we've got, we've got an in internal ideation platform. We've got a customer community ideation platform. Um, 
And of course, we've got so many other channels that people mm. ask questions and contribute ideas. Um, so, so my point of view would be like having the right structure in place to add the right prioritization to features, make sure they have the right impact. Um, I, I'm a fan of that process and that structure. It's a difficult thing to come to and it takes a bit of fine tuning. Um, yeah. but, uh, I'm, I'm always a fan of kind of having that sort of process and structure in place to evidence the fact that you've considered it. I think- and Matt, what are you doing? We mm. keep talking about transparent cultures here, right? But what is the product marketing team doing to be as transparent as possible? And, and mm. I'm putting you on the spot because this affects me. No, completely. it's good. I, I'm hijacking <laughs> this. No, um, it's good. It's and then, good. And then <laughs> I think I want to. I want to know what Glenn's philosophy is coming from the other side. Of <laughs> but 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 Matt, what what do you guys do to make sure? Because you know, sometimes again, everyone is used to having their voice heard at this company. And we're at the point where we may not be able to have your voice directly impacting things. So what are you guys doing to kind of mitigate some of the, the hurt feelings? Well, I mean, so I think what you're actually picking up on in terms of that uh, that process in our organization is actually a really interesting point about change within our organization and within many organizations. Uh, because actually, I don't think that change in process from being able to go directly to a team is necessarily in our organization at least predicated on the growth of the organization. I think the change that we decided to implement was to democratize the process. Um, We don't design our product in isolation. When we were a smaller organization and we first created the product, it was designed, you know, exclusively almost by our product team because it was an you know, a nascent thing. It was a quite new, um, you know, we were one of, one of the first organizations really to bring, you know, an out of the box, you know, platform to market that could do these kind of internet um, uh, capabilities. And I think what we've actually done is democratize the process of designing our product, whereby rather than one set of opinions feeding into it, and therefore a few people being able to throw something into the mix, we've actually created a process which is designed to take into consideration what our clients need, what the market says that people should or will need in the future, as well as marrying that against the experiences of our own internal experts. And to that point of democratization and that instigating change, you see that in processes, but you also see that in our interactions as well. So when Caitlin talked about the town hall and and we talked about giving people a voice and then being able to kind of get involved in a sense, we actually give them an opportunity to instigate change as well. I don't know if you remember, but a little while ago in one town hall, someone in the chat said, can we make X day a, a public holiday in the US? Mm. And then a couple of a couple of town halls later, they were like, yeah, cool. Somebody like flagged that as a question. Can we turn that into a public yeah. holiday? We're going <laughs> to do it. So you're not, you're de- democratizing that. So you're both instigating change and a part of the process that kind of delivers the results if you see what i mean yeah i i think i see what you're saying i think what you're saying is we've we've you think we've actually gone more extreme with how open we are in terms of accepting feedback in a good way Um, in a good good way way. yeah glenn i i wonder because this was a big change for us in in our role um how do you think we we strike that balance where we're we're communicating giving feedback rapidly but you know, but also doing it in a structured way. And and I'm really curious what you think here. I'm really curious because I think it, it impacts 
it would it impacts organizations across the board this type of of, of change i'm just thinking about the, the change that i've seen is at one point you know i would this is you know five plus years ago now but it'd be like we need this feature to get this deal and it'd be very reactive and there wouldn't be that much thought in it but you'd get what you wanted um and it would happen whereas now, I mean, I don't envy Kaz's position because, I mean, obviously I'm firing stuff at him all the time about what I need, but I'm just one of many different um, stakeholders in this, you know. Um, it's it's a hard balance to strike. I think Matt is right. It is very transparent right now. And everybody can, you know, there's many different mechanisms to put ideas in. The challenge I think that Kaz and his team have got now is you know, when he's got like a hundred ideas, it's like, how many times do you put ideas in and they don't go anywhere? Mm. And then do you start feeling like, I'm, I'm not talking specifically about me here, Kaz, but how many times do <laughs> you keep suggesting the ideas in? And then, you know, you don't get the, they don't go anywhere, right? Or like, you know, mm. the other thing is now we're, uh, so that would be, you know, negative experience, the transparency. But the other thing is we've moved from, I think what we did... How, Matt, you remember that. What was our cadence of updates? Was it monthly? Something like that. It was insane. And we've moved to sort of three a year now, three or four a year. So you're planning, you know, what we're planning. Even if they, even if Kaz said, that's an amazing idea, Kaz and his team, and we're going to do it. I mean, you're really thinking, but at this point, you're thinking like Q4, right? Because mm. of the way things have to get planned in and built and tested and, you know, reliability and yeah. Well, ID, I mean, it's ideation is an interesting thing and democracies are too, because I've said this before where I'm like, popular doesn't necessarily mean right or valuable. And it, it, it translates to change too, where when people have an opinion about a process change or a strategy change or something, you might have like a popular idea or consensus on that, but it's not necessarily the right thing for the business. Mm. Um, I mean, that could translate to anything. So then there's people who have to make, like, you pull away the layers of democracy and then make a final decision and say, like, actually, this is the direction we're going because of it. But it's, but it's providing the reason, managing that change or the communications, is, it's all about how it's delivered, too. Um, not just about, like, people's ideas on a product or it's, it's relates to anything, really, that people are communicating in a company. Everyone's yeah, got an opinion, but... Exactly. Not all opinions are are worth hearing, but not all opi opinions are equally um, valuable at the end of the day. Um, in the sense that some may have greater insight, and again, the value of the opinion is not has nothing to do with the person's title, experience, paycheck, right? Mm -hmm. What really there's there's an objective nature to the stuff where there's a series of challenges, a series of variables, and the opinion that takes into account all those variables, but looks at the most important ones and then decides on a strategy based on those is the critical one. You're you're not going to get it a hundred percent right, and mm. that's true of all changes. Someone at the end <clears throat> of the day has to make difficult decisions, but as long as that someone, I think what we're saying is constantly feeding back why they made that decision decision right yeah. why they're doing the things they do um and again not everyone may agree with the why but if you set the tables you're doing the responsible thing 
in terms of communication and keeping people in the loop. And that's the thing that actually lots of people have touched on and that you've pulled together, you know, that strand across all those conversations is actually the, the critical nature of leadership in change. You talked about that one person who's going to make that final call. Caitlin talked about, you know, at, at the end of the day, someone's got to make a decision and once all the ideas come together. And I think, you know, and I talked about, you know, social interaction with leaders and town halls, which kind of put leaders on on, on a stage where they can interact with everyone. And I think that is a, a massive part of effective change, isn't it? Is having leaders who are responsible for for that change who can, you know, be seen to to both instigate and, and live and, and embody the changes that they're implementing. And that when we talk about communicating transparently about change, hearing from the people, the decision makers who are who, who are going to kind of implement these kind of change programs, you know, take the remote working thing. There was a huge spike for our customers in a desire to make their leadership be seen and heard because everyone had to move to remote working and much worse change as well in the form of furloughs. And, you know, again, I obviously hate to mention it, but redundancies as well, you know, it's been very trying. And so people were like, our leaders need to be seen. We need to provide them with a platform where they can be transparent, they can be authentic and talk about this change. I think, you know, that's what a great time though for leaders. I mean, having the ability to go from the top of the organization to the bottom, everyone through, you know, Mm -hmm. news articles, blogs, videos, live sessions, you know, town halls, AMAs. I think that they, they have the ability to reach everybody, you know, on mobile, desktop, whatever they want. Um, I mean, it's from that perspective, it's, you know, an abundance of riches compared to what it was three years ago, five years ago, let alone, you know, a decade ago. Well, I always think of like Mad Men, right? And they had their PA and um, they'd have the PA write a uh, uh, personal assistant. By the way, redundancies, layoffs for Americans, <laughs> PA's personal assistant. Uh, again, American Britishisms, uh, we're trying to bridge the gap between our two great nations, um, they'd have them write up a memo, right? And the memo got sent around. I mean, my mother told me stories of that from the 80s about the dreaded memo coming around, right? Um, Mm -hmm. And it felt very top-down and impersonal. So I think you bring up a really good point, Glenn, is like there's an opportunity for leaders who probably experienced the dread associated with the, the, the memo at some point in their careers to go, I can do it differently now. Mm. Um, I can give my true voice and, and deliver it the way I want to. Um, no, that's that's brilliant. That's brilliant. Um, so I'm curious. Any again, I, I keep pushing you guys, and you keep avoiding me. Are there any customer examples? And again, if we can't name name them, that's fine. I, I think we're doing it little by little. But um, what are some interesting things you've seen out on the front lines? Kaz is raising uh, his hand. He will be the sacrificial lamb. Oh, uh, that, there was something that sparked, sparked me off. It started with the ideation conversation where, when Glenn was speaking about um, uh, making sure people have faith in the system. And it reminded me of something I, I personally did, which was around... Um, it was I think it was actually an idea that came from Glenn, like internal ideation. And... I'd mentally registered it and be like, that's a great idea. I'm going to run with this and then didn't communicate back how I'd then mm. taken that. So that that was like a learning on me. But that conversation kind of sparked off in me a particular 
um, client example, which I, th- I think we mentioned slightly earlier, which is, is Dorma Carber. Um, and uh, they're actually one of my first clients here when I joined Unily. And I think they're one of our first ever clients. Um, but they went through a uh, merger. Um, so they were Dorma, who was our original client, and then Carber, uh, and they became Dorma Carber. Um, and they had a, a lot of challenges to navigate. So there was a lot of external stuff happening um, as well as their kind of internal change happening. And what they did was they quite proactively issued a survey which was focused on um, understanding the fears that people had, how they could digitally try and solve those fears. Um, So they did this kind of very culture-focused survey amongst all their employees. And um, I've seen a lot of like employee surveys done you know a lot of people have these kind of annual things that they roll out but this was the first time i'd seen something done so focused on culture um and the results that they got back were so well like like candid and what was really interesting for me was other than the quantitative insights there were a lot of qualitative stuff so people talking about what they thought made that culture um and one of the things that came out was we spoke about transparency but it was about like being candid and some of the feedback they got back was you know as some of this change happens inherently when change happens you get a lot of well you get more stakeholders that are interested right you have leaders that have to sign off on things um you kind of get this kind of like politician-y way of communicating um and, and there's a reason for that because it's sensitive um but what you don't want to do is make it so polished that you kind of lose end up losing the point or you yeah. don't well you don't communicate in a very clear way um so the way dawn macabre decided to navigate this change was they created a hub on their intranet which was quite uh quite literally called straight talk um and and what they meant by that was straight talk (laughs) so it was a hub dedicated exactly to all of their communications focused on sensitive topics of change um, and it ended up being one of the most well-adopted parts of their platform because hmm. it was like, everyone is focusing on straight talk. I want to see what people are saying at this. And they were very conscious about the language they're using, right? So it being very clear, frank language, not polished up. Um, and also any employee could request a straight talk article to be made about a particular topic. So it doesn't have to be sensitive change. It could be, hey, I see we've got a new pension policy that's come out and the communication on that wasn't very clear to me and I could do with a bit more information on it. Can you give us a straight talk article? That's cool. Um, mm, and that's really cool. Yeah. That's cool. That's cool. It's a uh, shame that uh, it took an M&A for all that good stuff to happen. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Yeah. I, you know, again, I theme is change is an opportunity, I suppose. And it maybe it just forces us to rethink things. You're right. But maybe we have an obligation to kind of force ourselves to rethink regularly. I know Glenn is constantly... Um, pushing the envelope with with Caitlin and I on the sales team. Um, so, uh, but Kate, you had an example. Yeah, no, I, I was working with a client on the customer success side. Um, it's a large, a large uh, company was merging with a, an even larger um, pharma, pharmaceutical uh, or pharmacy company re- and large retail presence. And the merger was really, really exciting, very public. Um, the employees were very excited. They implemented a um, like a digital workplace change board 
of, of people who were stakeholders from different parts of the business because there was all this technology merger happening as well, um, which is super important to consider when you have employees coming in using different app, apps and tools and um, intranets. So it takes a long time for large companies to merge. Like, I mean, Kaz was, I think, alluding to that too or referenced it, but um, almost a year had gone by and they had, were surveying employees about how are you feeling post-merger, like environment type stuff? And the feedback was a consensus of, we still don't even feel part of this new company. Like we're still seeing everything is branded to us. We don't see all these people in our directory. We haven't merged the technologies completely yet. So we worked together to kind of the, the quickest solution and, and one, but made a huge impact was even just rebranding some uh, of the yes. internal applications. I remember that. That's right. To, you know, something simple like that. Because it was like, hey, every time I'm hitting our corporate internet, it's like this branding in my face that doesn't even match our new name. Um, so because those things take time and, and change management process in place, but we went through it and quickly implemented it. Um, and it made such a difference just in terms of feeling part of one company instead of still two very separate companies, even a year a year following the announcement of the merger. So um, that was super power- powerful. It had good, good, a really positive impact on the, the subsequent feedback from employees. But those are the types of considerations when you're bringing people together into one, <laughs> into one hub, we'll use two names. Um, what, <laughs> there's, you know, a, like, there's the new Unily intro. Yeah, yeah, how are you, like, don't, or even sometimes, like, when we talk to clients, like, so do you want to have different appearances and themes for, for your different subsidiaries and brands? And they're like, well, no, actually, we want it to be one unified um, look and feel mm-hmm. for the apps and tools that we're using. So it was just a good example for people out there listening to consider. Um, keep that in mind. Uh, when you're going through those types of changes that you're trying, you know, what what is what is it that's bring, making people feel like they're brought together, especially remotely, when we're only using digital collaboration technology instead of walking into an office with a new logo and, you know, uh-huh. colors and stuff. Yeah, good, good shout. <laughs> Matt, what are your thoughts? Yeah, I mean, and I think actually um, it's a, you know, everything that Caitlin just said absolutely hits the nail on the head. And it's tied back to what Glenn said as well, which is we're going through globally a really significant period of change at the moment. Um, you know, with the global pandemic, you know, massive move to to remote working and things like that. Um, and then there's also a great deal of other types of change that organizations might go through as well. We've talked about merger and acquisition, um, divestiture as well as one that we haven't really touched on, but you know, how do you break to two organizations apart and, and, and many other types of internal change, cultural change. Um, and I think, you know, for me, the one of a, a really positive takeaway would be that change represents a great deal of opportunity. Glenn talked about opportunity. It's a great opportunity for leaders, you know. They've got technology at their fingertips now where they can actually really seize, take control of the story around any given change. They, they have tools now which enable that. It's the same with the remote working. Um, we talked, um, you know, leading analyst firms are saying that, you know, the adoption of new technology has accelerated exponentially with the move to remote work. But what a great opportunity to be in where we can turn to technology to bridge those gaps, to help, um, you know, help organizations on those journeys. And I don't think it's limited to just the intranet technology or the employee experience platforms that, you know, we 
necessarily working directly, but there's a broad range of different technologies um, and they all are helping to make change more manageable um, and to help us kind of make any change more positive, more easily um, consumable by our people, uh, more easy to communicate about by leaders. And that whole process is really being, uh, you know, made so much more effective through the application of technology. Um, and I think it's, you know, it's a, an amazing, an amazing thing generally that the technology can do a lot of that heavy lifting um, for organizations. And that kind of feels like a natural wrap up point. Uh, I want to thank Matt, Kate, and uh, Kaz for joining us. And Glenn, thank you for the all-star rock star uh, guest appearance. We want you back. Um, thank you again for joining. We're really grateful. Anything Pleasure. you want to say to anything you want to say to the folks out there, Glenn? Um, put me on the spot now. Uh, I, no, yeah. <laughs> I think this is this is a. I think that we're living. Uh, this is an example of change, right? Where we've been as a company in marketing people behind the scenes of this, what are we calling it, vlogcast now? Um, <laughs> you know, they're, uh, they're, we're engaging people through, you know, email and, and LinkedIn, and, and now we're embracing new technologies. It's fun to be part of it. This is the first uh, first podcast, vlog, whatever you want to call it, that I've been part of. It's, it's fun. The first Thanks of many. It's a pleasure. And for those of you listening, uh, remember, uh, like us, subscribe us on YouTube and look for us on your favorite uh, podcast app as well as Spotify. Uh, now, since the vlogcast is is everywhere. Uh, thanks again for joining and we'll, we'll see you next time. Mm -hmm.